The reality of being an entrepreneur couldn't be more different from everything we see in social media. In this conversation, we talk about the things that no one really wants to talk about when it comes to being an entrepreneur and some tips on how to beat discouragement, stay in your own lane, and keep winning at your own pace. Have a listen. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives. Today we have a very exciting guest. We have Andrina Sawyer. She is an author, business strategist, diversity advocate, president of PERK Consulting, and founder of Minority Christian Women Entrepreneurs Network. Andrina, I'm so excited and honored to have you on. Thank you for being with us, and please introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. Thank you so much, Priscilla, for having me on. It is my pleasure. A little bit about me, as you mentioned, I am a consultant by occupation. I work with small businesses and nonprofits. I'm particularly interested in faith-based spaces, so people who are operating from a purpose-driven framework and mindset. A little bit about me personally, I'm originally from Sierra Leone, West Africa. It's a small country on the West Coast. I grew up in New Jersey, so some people are quick to spot that accent (laughs) because they say it sounds like the Sopranos. And currently I live in the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. I love people. I love God. I love business. It's a lot of loves. (laughs) But those are kind of my passions in life. This is a perfect fit. Everything that you're about is what we're about here. So it's going to be a great conversation. Andrea, I'm just going to dive right in. Why is purpose important to you? And how do you link faith and purpose together? Sounds a bit morbid, but we only get one life, Priscilla. And I just believe that we should work with the end in mind, meaning that when we leave this earth, what is the impression? What is the impact that we would have made in our immediate sphere of influence, in our community, in our families, with our work? When we look at the research about work, we actually spend more time at work than we do in any other setting in our lives. So we spend more time at work than we do even with our own families. So I believe that when people are purpose driven, that is the greatest opportunity to leave a mark in life. That's what I believe purpose is. I believe it's working from a space of authenticity that I am who I am. I have certain giftings and world, I would like to offer it to you. Faith and purpose, I think, are connected because I don't think anyone can walk in purpose or work in purpose without faith. It's really hard. I know you can relate to this. I've been a full-time entrepreneur for almost 11 years, and there have been more times than I can count that I wanted to quit, that I just said, it's too hard. Between you doubting yourself... And what you think you're supposed to be doing and then other people doubting you and then kind of the ebb and flow of it all where sometimes you have the resources, sometimes you don't. It just gets hard. And so faith is kind of the anchor that pulls you back in and says, no, keep going. No, keep going. You do have something to offer to the world. Faith reminds you of that. I think our audience and myself, I definitely relate to that, that it is really just so hard that a lot of times just to keep going, if you don't have that vision of why it is that you're doing it and the impacts that you're trying to make, it's easy to just give up because it's just that hard. I was sharing with a friend of mine and I said, at times when you're just so low, you're just tired, you're just over it. And then there's that voice that says, look, the impact 
it's a privilege to have an opportunity to make impact. Absolutely. That's faith. That's faith in action. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Andrea. Tell us about your journey into entrepreneurship. I started an accidental entrepreneur. I come from a family of entrepreneurs. My mom is entrepreneurial, even though she has, you know, kind of a traditional nine to five job. And my dad is entrepreneurial and he's had several businesses. One of those businesses, I watched him build from the ground up only for it to not succeed. So I said, based on that experience, I would never be an entrepreneur. And what happened is after I graduated college, I went on to law school and due to some personal reasons, I had to leave law school. I was going through some severe depression. And the only thing that kind of saved me during that season was me working for a nonprofit because I just always loved helping other people. And as I was helping this nonprofit, the director, executive director says, hey, can I refer you to other people to volunteer to work with? And the long story short, Priscilla, is that I found myself volunteering and doing pro bono consulting work for three different organizations across two cities when it was only supposed to be just a couple of hours a week that I was volunteering my time. So I sat down with a friend of mine one day and she said, have you ever thought about just being a consultant, you know, just doing independent work? And I said, no, I think that is the enemy. I think it's a distraction. I don't want to go in that direction. And I was bent on going to law school. Three years later, I found myself entertaining the idea and I started working with more nonprofits. And that's when it hit me. I think my giftings are aligning with the opportunities. These doors have closed for me. So why not just pursue it? I told myself I would give myself just a couple of years to try it out. And a couple of years has now turned into 11 years of me working independently and helping people. And I love it. So I didn't mean to do it. I didn't go to school to become an entrepreneur. I just found myself in a space doing what I love to do. And then again, I found that my kind of natural giftings and inclinations and biases kind of lend to the space. And so I just stayed. That's really, really great. If you're open to just even helping people. In helping people, you actually help yourself even more than you help other people. That experience I've had so many times, just like you said. You think you're helping out somebody else and you're helping yourself because you're opening up doors for yourself that you didn't even realize. I thought that I was going to help other people as a distraction to the depression I was going through at the time. And I came out just learning so much more. Like it almost became addictive. (laughs) I'm getting something out of it now and I can't stop. I totally agree with what you're saying. It's a great share. It's a great takeaway too for anyone who's listening. You have an amazing book. And when I read this title, I said, I am just going to be all over you about what this book is about. (laughs) The Misadventures of a New Entrepreneur. Five things they won't teach you in business school. What are the five things they won't teach you in business school? (laughs) Well, no. I describe this book as practical but non-academic, right? So for those who have gone through business courses, this book is about the nuances that you kind of have to learn while you're on the ground. And so those five things are just how entrepreneurship impacts your mental health, your social health, your physical health, your spiritual health, and then just your overall well-being, your strategy. So those are the five things that I talk about. And I share examples from my life and what I've seen. And then I share some specific strategies that I've learned from others in my research. But those are the five things. That sounds very interesting. I'm going to be nosy, snoopy. I'm the same way, so it's okay. (laughs) If you don't mind, if you can share one of the things that you would say from your experience, how entrepreneurship affects mental health, especially because our audience is the 
early entrepreneur yeah. to have them kind of be aware of how entrepreneurship can affect your mental health. Yeah, that chapter in the book is called The Whole Thing is a Big Fat Lie. I talk about imposter syndrome a lot. For those who are not familiar, it's this idea that you're just never quite good enough and that the whole world is going to realize that what you say you are is not who you really are. The context of this was I talk about how entrepreneurship for a lot of us, you know, growing up right now, we based our idea of success in entrepreneurship on social media. So we see people who have this instant success, they get these massive followings, and if you're building very strategically and you don't have all of those things, you start to get depressed. You start to get anxious. You start to compare yourself. And I titled that chapter, The Whole Thing is a Big Fat Lie, because that's not what success is. So in the book, I talk about big entities like Facebook and Amazon and the fact that it takes on average 15 years for any entrepreneur to become an overnight success. That's what the statistics say. And so for those of us who have been pushing for two years, three years, and we're not seeing fruit from the seeds we're sowing, we want to give up and you shouldn't give up. My charge in that chapter is to take control of those thoughts before they run away from you and before things get out of control. I found myself many times on the couch depressed and sad, windows closed, just in a very dark place because I thought about everything that was at stake. I told the world I quit my job. I told my parents I quit my job. I didn't have any money. Certain days I went without food because I was so embarrassed to tell anyone that I didn't have food because I feared that their response was going to be, well, who told you to quit your job? And so mental health is something that's connected because the more depressed and anxious I got, the less work I did. But I needed more work in order to keep things afloat. And so that connection is something that's not talked about enough. How if you don't take care of your mental health, the whole thing crumbles. Your personal life crumbles, your relationships crumble, and it's just a mess. And I touch a little bit, because I'm not a mental health expert, I didn't want to get too deep into this, but something that was prevalent when I was writing this book was just the headlines of suicides among business owners. And so I talked about that a little bit, that if we're not careful at the very extreme, that's what the mental health component looks like, is where we're just like, you know, I gave it all, there's nothing else to live for. So again, my encouragement in that chapter is to really be intentional about your mental health because it's the first piece in the domino that if it crumbles, everything else falls. Thank you so much for sharing that and putting that in your book. For us, a lot of the work that we do is kind of trying to bring that reality about entrepreneurship through this platform. Because a lot of times, like you said, you go on social media, all there is is people showing a certain image of like, hustle harder, make more money, seven figure this, six figure that, eight figure this. And, you know, people encouraging people to do certain things. Yeah. And nobody actually goes into the reality of like, well, are you making sure that you're beefing up your savings as your business is becoming more successful because your business may fail in the next one to three years or one to five years. The reality part is like completely missing in all the messages that are hitting people. Even just things like taking care of yourself and it's okay to stop and it's okay if things aren't happening instantly. When you start something and you're not mentally prepared for what it takes because of all those messages of like nobody's showing that yeah. how hard it is. Yeah. Nobody's showing that you'll probably fail in your first six businesses before you get to the seventh business that will work. Everybody's kind of just creating these castles in the air for everyone. Thank, well, anyway, I could go on and on, but thank you so much for 
bringing that reality for people to know. It's so important to the conversation. That's why I made it the first chapter, because to me, the statistics here with the Small Business Administration says only about 30% of people actually make it past year five in business. And we have to learn that the success of our business or the seasons of our business are not necessarily a reflection of our worth as a person, as an individual. And when we don't separate that, it gets really hard. I share a story in the book, Priscilla, of how I was getting rewards those first three years of business, but I was facing eviction from my apartment and my car was repossessed. And I had the option to continue to just highlight on social media these awards I was getting, right? But in private, I struggled so much because, again, the reality, we don't always, you know, people don't always choose to show the reality. You know, and thank God I didn't stay in that season forever. You know, push through, that's the perseverance, the positive side of the mental health experience. But it's a real thing. It's hard. It takes a lot of persistence. It takes a lot of no's. It takes some rejections. It takes some losses. And again, we don't always do a good job. Social media does not help with showing that reality of some of our experiences. So true. Well, it's a breath of fresh air. Once you know what you're really going to face and we normalize that. Then people are prepared. It's like you finish school. You're not automatically going to become the CEO of somebody else. Yes, you finish school, but you have to be ready for the reality that you're going to start at the very bottom and you're going to have to build yourself up. It's going to be hard and you're not going to make the money you thought you were going to make. Those realities are important. So thank you so much for that. I saw this on your website. Self-sabotage, the other enemy. I got to ask you to share a little bit about that. Yeah, (laughs) my low seasons have taught me that it's important to be transparent. And if I expect other people to be transparent, I have to start with my own stories. Self-sabotage is a devotional that I wrote for the YouVersion Bible app. And it's just talking about how we stand in our own ways. You know, I don't know how much of the audience is Christian or faith-based, but I will say this. As a Christian, as a professing Christian, one of my biggest pet peeves, Priscilla, is the line, the devil made me do it right? As Christians. (laughs) like I grew up in the church. I've heard so many people use that as an excuse for, you know, poor behavior, bad behavior, for not sticking with things, for giving up too early. And so self-sabotage is about how we sabotage our own success, how we sabotage ourselves in business, how we sabotage relationships with people, sometimes because we don't want to do the work of fixing ourselves. And so I share the stories of relationships, you know, familial relationships, friendly relationships, romantic relationships, even where I was so quick to blame other people, not realizing for every conflict, you have a role, I have a role to play in it. And then, of course, I talk about business. Most of the devotional is about business and how self-sabotage starts in the mind. I give some suggestions for how to take control of it again before it gets out of control And then we find ourselves blaming other people because we've dug this hole that's too deep for us to understand. You work with startups a lot. Now, for the early entrepreneur, what are the common areas that you would advise a new startup to focus on? Focus on strategy. Short answer, focus on strategy. What I find is that a lot of people, including myself, we want to just do. So if you're passionate about, you know, let's say clothing, you just want to design and you want to sell clothes. 
but it's not actually your product that sells. It's good operations. It's the mechanics behind how you sell the clothes, how it looks, how consistent your branding is, your messaging is, how warm um, and professional your company culture is. And so to the person who's at the very early stages, focus on strategies, focus on automating systems that make it easy for you to work smart and not necessarily just hard. Because what happens is as your business grows, you're spread thinner. So you might have just started just designing clothes, but before you know it, you're also doing marketing and branding. You're also networking. You're also now managing a team. You might be your own administrative assistant for a while. So there's one of you, and the bigger you get, the more roles you have to play. I hope you're enjoying this conversation so far with Andrina Sawyer, the president of PERK Consulting, as an advisory firm for small to mid-sized nonprofits and businesses. And as always, please do leave us a review in your podcast listening app and let me know what kind of guests you'd like me to bring on and what exactly you'd like to know that will help you on your journey as an entrepreneur. Thank you so much for that. And let's dive back into our conversation. And where strategies comes in is, again, if I can automate and just streamline how things are done on the back end, I just make it easier for me to grow and to create a blueprint where later on, if I work with other people, they know how things are done. I do strategic planning and there's a framework that we use um, that splits every business into four areas. And those four areas are the finances of the business, the operations, the capacity, and the customer. And so for the early startup, my advice is to focus on those four areas and create effective strategies so that you're not burnt out before your time. (laughs) That's very good advice. And like you said, when you start, sometimes you just want to go. And once you start going, I know personally from my experience that it's almost like you're afraid to stop. Yeah. And in order to put the strategy into place, you literally have to stop everything so that you can think yep. and create those strategies and have the time to implement those strategies. And the more you avoid that process, the more harm you do to yourself because you're just running. And for all you know, you're, you're running the wrong way yeah. because you didn't stop to check. Yeah. And to put a strategy in place. Yeah. I always say, you know, pick your poison because strategies is an inevitable part of any good business, which is what we want. We don't just want things to stay stagnant. We want to grow. For some of us, you know, purpose-driven work that we're doing is about legacy. Like it's directly connected to what we leave for our children. And so if you're thinking sustainability, you're thinking longevity, you're thinking legacy, Pick your poison because it is an inevitable part. Either you do it pretty early on in the process or you pay somebody a lot more money, you know, later down the line to kind of make sense of everything that you've done and to strategize it. It's much easier to build a foundation based on a strategy than to go back and course correct that foundation. Oh, absolutely. Entrepreneurship is a journey. So it's not a race. You don't have to feel like you're constantly running. You want to do it the right way and take care of yourself, take care of the business, go in the right direction. And like you said, the legacy. Let's say you're new to business and probably you don't have the funds to pay a consultant, to hire a consultant. What would you say if you're doing the strategic planning yourself? 
I guess I'm sort of saying to walk someone through probably things to think about yeah. potentially in your strategic planning. Yeah. So there is kind of a staircase approach that I use with our clients. And if you could imagine just three steps at the very base of that step is your goal planning. And the strategic planning start with good goals. And oftentimes we build strategies around goals that are inherently not good. And by good, I mean they're not smart. So there's a formula, a smart formula, that says every goal that you have in your business has to be specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And if the goal does not meet those standards, then it's inherently not good. So I'll give you an example. If I say I want to start a fashion designing business, sounds noble enough, it sounds good, except it's not smart. So as an early entrepreneur, what happens is I start spending money on websites and clothes and I start getting on social media, screaming from the rooftops that I have this new business. The problem is we don't know what type of clothing or you don't know what your niche market needs, right? You don't know if you need an actual physical location or if you can rely primarily on online retail. You don't know what the age of the demographic is that you're going to serve. So, and all of these things will inform how much money you need in the short term and in the long term to get started. It will inform who your partners, who your vendors, who your suppliers will be. And so if you're scrambling, just saying, I just want to be a fashion designer, kind of have to reel it back in and really make sure that that goal is good to avoid squandering resources. And again, to make sure that the building is strategic. So the first step is to make sure that the goal is inherently good. It increases your chance of success. Then the second step is what that strategic planning framework that I talked about. So for this clothing design business, we now separate it into those four areas and we look at the finances and say, how much will it cost? How much will I spend? And how much can I bring in in this business? We look at the operations. If it's online, the operations looks different. If it's offline and you have a brick and mortar, that probably means I need staff, which means more capital. You get the point, but we work within those four frameworks and create a strategic plan for each of those areas of this business. And then the last step is the evaluation. This is where we stop and we actively say, am I on track? Am I on the trajectory of what I said when I first put it out into this world that I was going to start this business? If I'm not on track at the quarter mark, you know, with these benchmarks, or if I'm not on track with the half past mark, then chances are I might find myself at that five-year mark that the SBA talks about, having not succeeded and having lost a lot of money along the way. But based on these strategies, if I stop and evaluate every six months, every three months, this will predict the likelihood of success. That was a lot to say, <laughs> but to the early entrepreneur, I really encourage you break it down into bite-sized pieces, work step-by-step, step. evaluate the legitimacy and the validity of the goal that you're setting, build those four frameworks that I talked about. And then make it a point to include benchmarks where you're evaluating how you're doing. So good. As entrepreneurs, it's almost like we think we can get away without applying business principles. Mm -hmm. And the moment we do that, we're increasing the chances that we are going to fail. Absolutely. You know, there are just laws in nature, right? Like they're, they're just principles for life. You sow and you reap, right? <laughs> like we give and we take. Um, and business has principles. 
And you don't have to be the person with the best credentials to understand this. You just have to be the person who's willing to do the work. Again, if you don't build a good foundation, you could very well build a very beautiful house. But at some point, it's going to crumble even though it looks good. One of the things I shared in my book, Priscilla, is how I had this associate that when we were starting businesses, we started at the same time. But I mean, he flew past me. I mean, he was getting national coverage. He just did great work. And I just admired him so much. And I remember one day waking up and looking through social media and he'd released a press release about how he was quitting. And then my heart was so broken. And he just talked about the cash flow issues and he talked about the lack of support and he talked about his mental health and all those things. And the short version of it is just that it grew too quickly. It grew too quickly and he could not handle it. And again, my heart broke because the whole time I'm thinking, man, I want to be just like him. I'm now realizing, you know, it's okay to go slow. As long as your systems are good, as long as your foundations are good, you don't need to compare yourself with anyone. It was a valuable lesson for me in making sure that I honor the principles step by step. It doesn't matter how long it takes. doesn't matter if it's not glamorous, but there are principles to business longevity and we have to honor them. That's a really great lesson that I think is very, very important. So thank you for sharing that. You know, I, I always ask our guests to give us one book that they would recommend to an early entrepreneur, just because of, you know, the same reason that you just said, the importance of building up your business knowledge and just knowledge around different areas of business when you're starting out. We can't emphasize that enough. So if you could please, Adrena, just share with us your number one book that you'd recommend for an early entrepreneur. Can I share two? Yes, please. <laughs> um, so to everyone, I recommend the four-hour work week. I'm a big believer in working smart and not necessarily just harder. And it talks about how to make sure that you work effectively so that you're not burnt out all the time. So the four-hour work week. And then the second book, specifically to women, because I love and enjoy working with women, is Successful Women Think Differently by Valerie Burton. And that book is not necessarily about business principles, but it's about mindset for women because we juggle so much. That book changed the way that I showed up. It helped me just show up with some confidence, even if I had to fake it till I made it. But it helped me show up to the table with some confidence and to just realize what I had to bring to the table. So the four hour work week and then successful women think differently. Thank you for that. How can entrepreneurs navigate discouragement? Mm -hmm. The constant doors being closed, rejection, trying things that fail. How do we navigate discouragement? The first thing I would say is find your why. Discouragement in business is so private and it's so personal. Like how we process it a lot of times, no one knows. And we don't share with everybody. And not everybody should know. When I found my why, which was bigger than myself, it kept me going in private. And so when I showed up in public and I offered what I had to offer, even though I was just rejected just a day ago, it was because of my why. It fueled me. For me, my why is making an impact in the world. I come from a family of immigrants. And so my why is about how do I honor their sacrifice, right, that brought me to America? That's so much bigger than me. Because now I'm driven by making my parents proud, making my family proud, making my siblings proud, having something for my children. Second tip is to find one or two trusted people 
that are going to encourage you, that you can be completely transparent, completely emotionally bare with. A lot of the challenges that I encountered in business was because I was so ashamed. I just had a lot of pride. So when I went a day or two without eating because I didn't want to ask to borrow money, it's because I hadn't identified just one or two people that I could go to and say, listen, this is a particularly low time for me in business. Could you loan me some money? Or I'm having a really hard time trying to navigate this cash flow problem. Can you walk me through how you did it? So find one or two people that have been in business, that just have some level of understanding and competency that you can bounce ideas off of that will help you. The third and last thing for me is my faith, right? My faith in God. So prayed a lot. I believed that what I was doing was something that God was allowing me to do. And so that faith that no matter what the discouragement is at the moment, he was going to make a way for me. He was going to open some doors for me, kept me hopeful. And the whole kind of combated that discouragement a lot of times. But find your why. Find a couple of people. You don't need a lot. It's not about quantity at this stage. It's about quality. So even if it's just one or two people that you trust, that love you unconditionally, find them. And then find a source of faith. Whatever that looks like for you, find a source of faith that's going to keep you anchored and hopeful. Now, last question is always, Andrina. What has faith meant to you on your journey? Faith has meant everything, Priscilla. Faith to me is an act of gratitude. It's an act of gratitude for the things that I believe that I have received that I couldn't have done on my own. So it's believing in something bigger than myself. In my case, it's God, right? It's faith in God. When, again, and I share these stories all the time, again, when I didn't have food to eat, when I was alone, one of the things I shared in my book is that as I was starting my business, I had an engagement get called off. And so I was very isolated from the world. Like I was just very lonely, (laughs) you know, just sad and lonely. And so faith for me in that season was that when I felt rejected from everybody else, I did not feel rejected by God. And when I dug this financial pit for myself where I fell months and months behind in bills, and then I got this miraculous contract that was bigger than myself. And so faith is like, keep going because you're not in it by yourself. There are some doors that will open supernaturally and miraculously for you. You reap what we sow. And so I sold things and I believe that God would honor those principles. So faith for me is optimism. It's looked like bringing me closer to my source. It's looked like not being in this by myself, even when I feel like it. It's my anchor. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm going to remember this conversation. And especially because I love that you said, As an entrepreneur, a faith entrepreneur, person with purpose, remember that you will reap what you sow. So keep sowing and keep sowing the right things. Thank you so much, Andrina, for your time. Now to our audience, you can visit her website, www.andrinasoya.com. Andrina, where are you most active on on social media where people can find you? I'm most active on Instagram, but recently I've become more active on Twitter as well. So Twitter and Instagram. Andrina underscore Sawyer. Please do connect with her. It's been a great conversation. And, you know, I feel charged up now after talking to you. It's too bad it's nighttime. I got to go to bed. But (laughs) (laughs) You can use it in the morning. (laughs) I got to store it for tomorrow. Right. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. For more information, freebies, and clips from various episodes, please follow us on Instagram at Reinventing Perspectives or go to our website, www.reinventingperspectives.com. Thank you so much for your time. We absolutely value your time and even more, we value your feedback. Don't forget to leave us a review. Thank you so much and see you again next week.